Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All the more painful are the moments where everything clicks. During a particularly satisfying mission on Jakku, the desert planet at the start of The Force Awakens, you're cruising around in the sky, blasting down TIE fighters in an X-Wing while seamlessly jumping between missions on the ground as you help the Rebellion in various skirmishes. It provides an all-too-brief look at the kind of single-player Star Wars game fans have been demanding since EA gained control of the series in gaming form, and why so many were crushed when the company decided to pull the plug on Amy Hennig's adventure game. I'd play a whole game that was more like that. Those are the words of one Mr. Patrick Klepek, who is joining me today, of course, on Waypoint Radio, episode 114, in a piece about Battlefront 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I did, single not, player. I did not know yes. I, I did not know you were going to use my words. I was very freaked out for about 30 <laughs> seconds. I was like, wait. Uh, well, you know, we do cold opens that? on Friday. <laughs> you know, we do cold opens. It's, it was appropriate. I put it in chat, but it's okay. You were having lunch. I get it. You had to... There's a lot going on today, and actually, to speak to that, uh, we, obviously, Austin is off doing some important stuff. We have a statement up uh, regarding sexual harassment allegations, sexual misconduct at Vice in uh, sort of response to some allegations that were made. We made our own statement. You can read that. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, uh, but that is what we can say at the moment, and we stand by that, and Austin is working on stuff uh, related to that right now. So, without further ado... Uh, we just wanted to address that, and now we're going to talk about Star Wars. And, of course, you've already heard the hard voice pivot. of Patrick. Hard pivot. Hard pivot. You know, from one universe where there's uh, a lot of bad white guys mm-hmm. to another, I guess. Uh, Ooh, there you <laughs> go. Going. All right. That's it. That, was, that works. Uh, that works. I did it. I did it. I made it work, baby. I'm so proud. I want to I wanna also introduce, I don't know how proud he is to be on this podcast with that pivot, but Rob Zachney is another, also here with us. Another bad white guy, Rob Zachney. So I think that was, <laughs> that's the pivot well, I was going for. That is that's, inaccurate, <laughs> actually. It's, it's inaccurate uh, look, it's on been a, a couple day of, accounts. It's been a day of hard cuts <laughs> and uh, surprising, surprising uh, pivots and changes in direction from what it was sure planned. Has. It sure It sure fucking has. So, uh... Well, we felt like we, we had to address that, obviously, at the top of this episode. So, you know, obviously, if you're just a podcast listener. So, that's why we, we had to make our hard pivot. But if we're going to talk about Star Wars, Patrick, I think you're the only one here who has played the recent Battlefront 2. And, obviously, we've opened on, on some of your thoughts there. I wanted to ask a little bit about what the experience of playing this single player was like. And then we're going to go into a little bit larger Star Wars chat. Yeah, I, uh, I played a little bit of... The original Battlefront, because I, I, like I think a lot of people, I was captivated by how Dice captured the Star Wars aesthetic. Like what that company does is they they make good multiplayer games, but also like their their games just look unbelievable. And 
so the idea of like being able to like you know explore around on Hoth and fly around, um, you know, or I guess I can't remember you. I can't remember if you could fly around in. There was no space battles, but you could fly around in vehicles in the original. You couldn't fly in. Sp- there were no space battles, but I, I was kind of. I was. Yeah. I was captured into it purely because uh, you know I'm, I'm, I, I like Star Wars. I'm not. Uh, I don't know like where the line is, uh, but like I'm not on the <laughs> other side of that line. Like I really like Star Wars. I watch all the new movies. I'm just like I don't like read the extended universe and and, and things like that. Um, but uh, you know I. I played that multiplayer for, you know, a handful of hours. But the whole time, I think, like, a lot of people was thinking, I'd really like a single player to one of these. You know, I started thinking about Shadows of the Empire, and I started thinking about TIE Fighter, and started thinking about all, like, the, the Jedi Knight and the other Star Wars games I've really enjoyed um, over the years that uh, took on a more sort of traditional single-player form. And so they tried to put something like that into Battlefront 2, and, like, unfortunately, it just... It just doesn't really work particularly well. It's it's extremely short. I don't have a problem with... I mean, generally speaking, like, as a parent, I'm usually advocating for games to, like, cut the fat <laughs> and be shorter, get to the point. Like, don't just make something 10 hours to make it 10 hours because it's a better value. Like, if you can tell your story in five, tell it in five. Um, but Battlefront 2, like, bites off some, like, really uh, big ideas in terms of how it wants to sort of tell a story of... Uh, you know, folks who were part of the Empire and then converted to the Rebellion. And then the first time that a Star Wars video game has tried to do something from the flip perspective, obviously a game called TIE Fighter involves, you know, <laughs> you playing someone in the Empire. But um, they, they really tried to dive into the, the personalities and the backstories of these characters in this game, and you've got them captured with, you know, motion capture, so it's, like, highly detailed. And, um, and I, I wanted to buy into it, but it's not given enough time to breathe. And so the story doesn't really go to many places. And the part that it really bummed me out was the 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 fact that there was yeah there is this mission on Jakku um, where you have this enormous amazing space battle. Unless you know I guess that's space. It's like above the ground, but you can like see space. It's like close to space. It's in the realm of space. It's in the space <laughs> of space. And yeah. <laughs> you're you're shooting down Tie Fighters, and you're you know you're doing all this cool shit in the air. And then like hey I need help, and then you fly over to this sub-objective and you land on the ground and you're shooting stormtroopers and it's just it had this really cool feel and dynamic that lasts for about 20 minutes before you finish the mission and it's gone in a flash in a way that i found really disappointing because i i think that kind of dynamic that that sort of game is what basically everyone has kind of wanted from <laughs> ea and star wars since uh, 2013 when they they got the rights to, to make star wars games and the you know i mean if you go read you know jason schreier's story on kotaku about what happened to that game it seems like there were very legitimate reasons for ea to be concerned about how that game was coming along that are separate from the conversation of single player games and and where they fit in uh, 2017 but star wars i think as we'll probably end up talking about has a long history of like really good single player games and this is not this is not one of them and so if you're you're someone that is not interested in playing the multiplayer part of Battlefront, like there's not, there's not a lot for you here, and it's not something. I'm not usually someone to say wait till it's cheap, but I mean, if you are only interested in the single player and you're still curious, this is not something you want to pay sixty dollars for. Yeah, that's a huge bummer to me because I was really curious about this. I was really curious about, uh, you know, the 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 whole framing of oh you know somebody from the dark side or sorry the Empire. I guess she's not in the dark side. I don't know if no she's force sensitive no or not. It's okay. Sensitive. Okay, gotcha. 
I'm gonna go too far down the lore, but um, <laughs> I, I was really, I was really interested in that. I, I thought maybe that could be done well. Uh, I guess I should probably disclaim I used to be very, very close with Mitch Dyer, who I know is on the writing team there. Mm. And I, you know, I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. I know, I know he's a big fan who has good, generally, ideas about things. So, you know, there was that aspect, I suppose. Um, and, and part of me really wanted this to be like a, you know, something of a counterpart to Rogue One, the Star Wars movie from last year that mm-hmm. was a little bit side story ish, a little bit of that mix of, oh, people from the Empire aren't uh, necessarily just sort of all evil or you know people people can have like a mix in their moral composition they can kind of see the light or they can not see the light and, or like, and things why, can what, be a little what, muddier yeah what motivates know? them to participate in you know in an yeah. evil hierarchy and that's that's what i thought was maybe gonna be interesting about this especially when early on this isn't really a spoiler you know she joins the rebellion her group joins the parts of her group join the rebellion and uh it just happens so quickly in a way that doesn't feel credible like it's not that that arc can't be pulled off it's more that okay if you're going to have a character who has spent presumably decades grew up indoctrinated and uh uh you know swamped by propaganda and outright lies about the empire and its aims well if you suddenly woke up one day and said holy shit you know like a they live style like like you the truth (laughs) has come to you uh you you that's not something you're just gonna wake up and like oh okay leave all that other shit behind like I'm fighting for the good guys now. Like, I mean, now they are the good guys. They're not yeah. the bad guys. And and the Battlefront 2, it, it raises, it like, bites up, <coughs> excuse me, just a lot more than it can chew in a in a way that I found which is not satisfying. It's less that the game doesn't have, the game has good ideas. It just mm-hmm. seems like it doesn't give, doesn't have nearly enough time to let that stuff breathe. And then the structure on top of that, where they're constantly cutting to you playing as a Han Solo or Princess Leia or Luke Skywalker. And obviously a Star Wars movie is, or a game is probably going to have cameos from those characters to, to leverage their most famous uh, faces. But it, it often takes away from the story that it's trying to tell in a way that uh, ends up kind of just muddling it in the, in the process. And they end up having to be so expedient with the plot that it really does the character and even the performance um, uh, really a disservice. So it's, it's, it's hard to tell. Uh, my understanding is that single player was not given a whole lot of time to be developed, and so maybe that yeah. has something uh, to do with it. Um, I don't know the full story on that game's creation, but that my understanding is they were not given a. Um, this, you know, this is not something that was made over two or three years. Um, yeah. Something in a more truncated uh, fashion, and maybe that has something. Maybe that goes some way to explain why it, it, it then feels uh, pretty truncated and rushed. Sure, sure. So. Uh... I think it's probably a good time to go into sort of our general history with Star Wars. And Rob, I, I, I definitely want to hear your history with Star Wars games. I know I, we've talked about this a couple times on Auto Weekend. You know, this ain't, this ain't the same audience. So <laughs> we, should all, we should all talk a little bit about sort of our history with the games. And then we'll go into sort of what we want to see in the future with the games. So Rob, what, what's, your, what's your Star Wars history with games? Oh, man. What's, your, what's your history? What, how, how you feeling about them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that is that Auntie? Is did did Auntie just roll up? Auntie came in. Okay, Auntie okay. wants to know when you want to see a Star Wars. Is, uh, is, uh, how does Auntie feel about the prequels? Auntie did not think they were very good. <laughs> they were some entertaining moments. You know, everybody likes the pod race, but uh, yeah, they didn't. They don't hold up too good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God, how is? Oh man! Now, like the pod race, I'm just flashing toward like 
the, the crooked media tie-in that would exist oh, if, yes. if, that, if that movie came out today. <laughs> uh, now, this is pod racing, like hard cut to John Lovett, like in a pod racer. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yes, like Star Wars games were kind of formative for me. Like, like when I think about what I was playing when I was a kid, probably like half of what I like really invested time into was Star Wars games. Uh, so like, yeah, there were things like when I started playing games the first time I, I got into weird war games like Field of Glory and everything. But like one of the first games that I really like really wanted and to like a maniacal extent that was not entirely healthy uh, was Dark Forces. Uh, the The sort of very much like a more sophisticated Doom uh, first-person shooter that, that LucasArts made. And I think one of the interesting things just about just about LucasArts is that they were kind of, in addition to having like these really powerful licenses like Star Wars, uh, like Indiana Jones, they were just kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of different genres. Like, they, in, in some key ways, they leveraged their industrial light and magic connections, uh, yeah. But also, they just ha- attracted an awful lot of talent uh, to that studio, and so you had them for pretty much like all of the '90s, kind of making the best adventure games, uh, the best like arcade flight sims, um, you know. And then when they started getting into shooters, uh, I would I would argue that Dark Forces, certainly Dark Forces Two. Uh, were also incredibly like sophisticated, like genre-changing works. Like I think Dark Forces Two, Jedi Knight, uh, gets lost a little bit because Half Life came along not that much farther after, and redef- like really changed expectations of what a shooter could be. But uh, like Jedi Knight, the the first Jedi Knight game was was also pr- pretty revolutionary uh, at the time, and so. My history with Star Wars games and, and where, I, where I'm at today is I've always kind of wanted that era back. Um, I've always kind of cherished that, that era where, you know, what, what's, what's the stuff you wanted to do from the Star Wars movies? Uh, yeah. You know, fly an X-Wing, fly a TIE fighter, uh, go, you know, on a raid inside an Imperial base. They had a game that sort of spoke to each of those individual fantasies, to each of those sort of dreams and, and sort of things you played with in your imagination when you were a kid. Um, and all that ended really suddenly. And I think that's another aspect of why there's this incredible thirst for good Star Wars games. Uh, it It died, like, overnight. There's a story that... God, and this is on an old Idle Thumbs. I could not begin to tell you where to find it. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think Jake Rodkin and Chris Remo both used to follow uh, a website that was sort of a LucasArts fan site for, for ages. And they tell the story of this, this interview that this fan site did on the eve of the prequels about what the future of Star Wars games looked like. And as sort of diehard fans, they've been given the special access and have been sort of like allowed to like, you know, talk to all the people involved in these new games. And what they learned over the course of that interview was that effectively LucasArts was dead. <laughs> like yeah. all the games these people loved, all the stuff that they loved about Star Wars on PC and other platforms, all of that was coming to a very sudden stop. And the future was going to be a lot of licensed games of varying quality 
And that's kind of where I dropped out. Like, I know good games followed that. Like, you know, Bioware did good stuff by sort of... Was it Bioware or was it uh, Interplay uh, with Knights of the Old Republic? I think that was Bioware. Yeah, that was Bioware. Yeah. yeah, Republic Commando was, was interesting. Yeah, but I don't think they ever sort of approached that that sort of the, the sort of glory days. And I, and I think, you know, for, for a generation of gamer, there's sort of been like this this constant looking around for like, okay, but when are you going to make something that actually feels like I'm in a Star Wars movie? Not just playing with like, you know, toys that are skinned with Star Wars theming, but like actually create some of the magic and excitement of that universe. And I'm not sure like much has happened to, to deliver that in the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, Dark Forces, uh, that was like a someone that like their introduction to PC games was was basically Doom. Like Doom was like Doom Two came out around the time that I uh, our family bought our first PC, and like Doom like taught me how to install a video game. And uh, Dark Forces was the first game that I understood. Uh, it, it forced me to um, like go through my config file, which for uh, yep. people that <laughs> there's no reason for people that are uh you know even just five years older than me to uh or younger than me to to understand what that is but basically like it was possible to like when you would launch uh dos or, or windows you could pick specific elements of your computer or drivers to actually boot into ram so let's say uh you bought like i did you bought dark forces but you didn't have enough ram to run it if your computer just cold booted like if you just hit power on and then ran dark forces it would say not enough ram so what you needed to do was to free up ram by uh and there weren't like there were sometimes instructions for this in games but it was often you just like i would read um like aol message boards that were like here hey here's my computer configuration here are the things that i turned off so that my game could still... Because, like, you could turn things off, like, the audio driver, but then you're not going to be able to listen to the audio. That's pretty critical to a Star Wars video game, is the audio. And But Dark Forces taught me, and I had it written out on a piece of paper, of, like, what to say yes and no to as my uh, DOS. And then you, you could get you could then create a boot disk, which would, like, boot your computer in a specific configuration, so that you didn't have to do that every um, single time. But, like, Dark Forces, because that game was so amazing, like, it, it was just... It told a story. Like I think Half Life was like I had a similar experience with Half Life, but it was very similar to the one I had with Dark Forces, which was like Doom was a really good video game, and then Dark Forces was like was like also trying to do something much more ambitious with the form. I don't think it gets nearly enough credit as like a game like Half Life does, and Half Life deserves all sorts of credit. But I think Dark Forces is often looked back as a good Star Wars game when it really was like. A really like ambitious video game especially for what the first person shooter even was at the time yeah i think one thing that i think made dark forces a little bit like controversial uh at the time remember it had lives like oh, every other pc game yeah no so this is i think this is one reason why people did not view it as like a premier first person shooter at the time <laughs> uh so dark forces when i finally did get it running and and by the way like I had the same experience, Patrick. Like, I think I got it for Christmas, and I think I started playing it around the time school ended. <laughs> uh, like, I think there was a new CD-ROM that had to be purchased somewhere in there, maybe a different Sound Blaster. I have no idea. Oh, it's fucking Sound Blaster. Um, God yeah, it was, damn it. it. It was terrible. I was changing all those high-mem val- values oh, on my boot disc. Oh, going to a bad place um, right now. 
Yeah, no, it's, it all happened. It was all real. It wasn't a dream. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so the game had one of the things that changed that it was doing differently than like Doom, for instance. The levels in Dark Forces were massive. Uh, like every level in Dark Forces, in addition to like really playing with, and this is for you, Danielle. <laughs> verticality oh yeah like this was one of the most vertical like uh 3d shooters of its day um there's this mission uh in this like like where eagles dare mountain fortress that the empire was using to research as a research <laughs> base where you're like going over these like canyons and there's like howling winds and the stormtrooper formations are so far down below you that they're just like tiny little like blobs on the screen it's amazing but these levels are massive. Uh, there were 20 of them, and each one probably was like four times the size of a Doom level. Could wow. take uh, like well over an hour to play a level like this if you didn't know your way around. They were loaded with secrets. And you could not save. Oh, no. Yeah. You had uh, limited lives. Uh, your commando, Kyle Katarn, would go down there... And he had, like, three lives to complete this entire mission. Like, holy shit, this is, like, proto-Dark Souls shit. Uh, and if you didn't do it on those three lives, and maybe there's an extra life hidden somewhere in the level, but if you didn't do it, uh, you failed the level, and you had to do it all over again from oh. the top. Oh. Man, there's um, a reason I don't remember this. is because I was too young to give a shit, and that I could just play the, play the level a billion times, because <laughs> that would drive me up a wall now. Oh, it's... <laughs> It's wild. It, it drove people up the wall at the time. But, like, what I remember, yeah, I was young. I was like, I like this because it really, like, God, I'm so, I would have been so insufferable. Maybe I still am insufferable. But, like, this was very much like, this is for real gamers. Oh, like, boy. No saving in this Ooh. game. This is, did oh, Obi-Wan have an extra life? Well, he thought he did, but it turned out oh, not really. Geez. Anyway. Oh. Uh, but, like, what it set up were certain, like, I will never forget, like, the last level of Dark Forces, finishing it on my last life, I spent like an entire morning, like two hours playing through this level. And it ends with this huge boss battle. I'm on like 15% health and shields when this guy comes out. Uh, and I remember like when that battle ended and I'd won, I'd beaten the game, like I was shaking because like that level had been really, really hard. And like getting it done on that last sliver of health on my last life, uh, you know, is is unforgettable. But I also think it pissed a lot of people off and made them not like Dark Forces when, when Doom was like, yeah, quick say, quick load. Enjoy it. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Oh. That's a really good point. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna tell you a little bit what it was like to be a console baby, uh, and also I'm gonna tell you about my special pants. So, I was like, I was the biggest Star Wars nerd that I knew at the time when I was like a, a young teenager around the time of uh, the re-releases. So in like the late '90s, like 1997, I think. 
Star, you know, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back yeah. and Return of the Jedi had like a, a new and improved theatrical releases, basically. And uh, I had always been a fan. It was like uh, they were the first movies I remember watching as a little kid. So I, I have a nerd family, so that was pretty good. Um, and I became like a, a huge, huge, huge Star Wars nerd in my like early teens, basically late, late preteens, early teens. To the point where, um, you know, I played a lot of uh, Super Return of the Jedi on the uh, good old SNES. That the, game was uh, like hard the... as shit. Fuck that it game. It was. It super was. But again, like like you're saying about Dark Forces, Rob, like, I just, I was a kid, and so I could play it all day, and it was that, fine. Wait, the first one? Well, there were the two, right? One. There New... was Su- Super Star Wars, and then... There, yeah, were there Super three? Star Wars. Fuck there that three. game. Yeah, there were there was one for each game, and they were basically oh, okay. the same game. Yeah, it was, it was nah. like a side scroller with shooting. I think. Except except two of them were good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frankly, I played the most of Super Return of the Jedi because I got it for Christmas one year, and that was like the game I played for like six months, and then probably also for like five years after that. So that's the one I remember the best. But I think I played all of them at one point or another. They were they were. At least Return of the Jedi, I remember it being good. I was a kid, though, so, you know, your mileage will vary a little bit. But, do you like, remember the snowspeeder? The Mode I, 7 snowspeeder I fight? I sure do. And there was a sandspeeder in the uh, in Return of the Jedi, which was, like, the same thing, sort of, but it was amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, and then I got really into this little game you might know. Shadows of the Empire, starring Dash Rendar. The uh, the coolest not Han Solo guy ever in Star Wars. Now, that game is probably a piece of shit. However, playing it was like a revelation for me. It was like the second game I ever got on my N64. I got like a brand new N64 and Mario Kart 64 and Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, I'm done with you. I was in this boat as oh. well. Oh, I loved it. Like, love is not even enough of, of a term. Like, I had special pants that mm. I called my flight pants that I would put mm. on. And then what play. These hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't just you can't just brush by the pants without I'm, just like follow-up questions. Let me let me just tell you, they were I called them my flight pants, and so yep. I would get excited to play the snow speeder level again and again. I would just play it over and over again. Were they like like orange? Like yeah. What do they look wear? like? Come on. They come were on. actually like black with I think a stripe. They were basically like track pants. Okay. But I thought of them as being like flight pants. I was young. Yeah, it kind of looks like the Krillian blood stripe. Yeah, on, you know, uh, a little bit. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel not insane. People, look, you do weird things when you're 13, okay? This also sounds like something a five-year-old would do, and I admit I was doing this at 13, but whatever. That's how life is. So I would put on my cool flight pants. I would play this level of this game over and over again and think it was the greatest thing. I could beat that first level without once firing off the little hook shot that actually brings down the AT-ATs. Like, Wait, you just like shoot them to death? With my laser that did like less than 1% of damage. Yes. I don't even know you could do that. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> but only if you're wearing the right flight pants. Uh, that's the part nobody knows about. Danielle could take do. on the whole empire herself. Pretty yeah, much. So. If I had the right pants, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess after that, I got really into uh, that sort of late 90s, very early 2000s era of Star Wars games on console, which was like Pod Racer, which was really awesome, actually, on the N64. It's like a really good Wipeout style, uh, just a really fast racing game. Um, I got really into Rogue Squadron. Uh, the N64 and like the first GameCube game 
if I recall correctly. They were pretty awesome at the time. Again, I haven't revisited these particular games. Maybe they're not awesome, but they were awesome at the time. And they really fed into, I think, if, if we're going to do a pivot into the next section here of what we want in a Star Wars game, they were everything I wanted in a Star Wars game because they had a good like sense of adventure. For me, Star Wars was always about that adventure of being with you know, cool people, these cool characters that I looked up to, again, being a kid, thinking they were the raddest people on Earth, not on Earth, I guess, uh, the raddest people in space, and that they did awesome things. They had amazing adventures. They were both the good guys who did good things and, you know, kind of had that good moral center and also just had so much fun. Now, of course, you could actually go back and watch the movies and they actually suffered a whole lot more than they had fun. But still, in my mind... This was what was awesome about Star Wars, that that sense of being in these crazy, weird places. There's a lot of danger. You don't really need to worry about it because you'll get through it, man, because you're, you're a good person. Uh, and so you can see how that might have been formative <laughs> for a young flight pants wearing Danielle. So what other what other kinds of things do you both like to see in a Star Wars game? What would you love in an actual like modern Star Wars game? Just to go back for a second, like one. Yeah. Um what's kind of amazing about or was amazing for star wars for a while is that you know like when people would say like whenever there's a new video game console be like oh like we're getting closer and closer to toy story right like that that was like the benchmark for like 3d graphics and video games they advanced and for a long time like getting closer and closer to emulating star wars was Mm -hmm. like a benchmark in like technological advancement in video games like that's part of the reason that shadows of the empire was like a big deal like it's a reason that hoth level got so much attention other than being like super fun like like that level in particular like again i don't know how it holds up like today but like that that was for all the like sort of washing of uh, shadows of the empire that one might do as a kid that was just excited to play a star wars game the hoth level like was specifically like actually very good and uh i remember when uh rogue squadron was announced for the gamecube and like they they replicated one of the scenes from the films um, in which, like, a bunch of the X-Wings kind of come come together in space. And you could measure that against an N64 version. Then you saw the GameCube version. Yeah. And there would be, like, uh, videos that, like, showed you, like, here's how it matches against, like, how that shot is done in the film. And, like, it was just kind of amazing that that's, that's no longer the case just because everything, you know, at this point, video games often look just as good, uh, if not better, than a lot of, like, computer-generated creations that we see um, in cinema, but for for a long time, Star Wars was like actually used as a benchmark in video games to like see kind of like where we're going. Um, yeah, that's that's a really really good point. Um, and also something I'm I'm thinking of now as well it, that speaks to that sense of adventure. It's one thing that I think is really cool about Shadows of the Empire. Everybody remembered that awesome you know Hoth level, uh, of course, and rightly so. It was an awesome level. But I also really liked how sort of long and weird some of the other levels were. There was a level in a sewer where you had to battle like a sewer monster with several heads and, and all kinds of things like that. There was a, a level called the Gaul Spaceport, which was this giant meandering level in a canyon where you had to do a lot of kind of very like light and not very challenging platforming with your jetpack. But it was kind of fun to explore a space in that scale. So I'm going to vote for for that, for whatever new Star Wars game ever comes out in, in you know, our fantasies. <laughs> Just the weirdness in that scale is a lot of fun to kind of play with, too. So actually, like, my memory has been jogged while we're talking about this that I, that I think sort of connects some of what's maybe going wrong with the current direction of Star Wars games with uh, 
the old the old model, uh, the old classics. Uh, the last Tie Fighter X Wing game was X Wing Alliance, um, and it's it, it's got some very high highs and some very low lows. Its difficulty curve is way uneven, but in between Tie Fighter and X Wing Alliance, there was another game, uh, X Wing versus Tie Fighter. Hmm. And it was exactly what Patrick was talking about. The, like, oh, it looks like CG. It looks like the movies. Like, <laughs> they look, like they basically have recreated the models of the spaceships, but now they're, they're in a game. And it looks tremendous. Uh, and it was really exciting. And it was so exciting that apparently LucasArts decided that what people didn't need anymore was a campaign. Uh, that all these cool spaceships and everything were going to be reserved solely for, like, multiplayer. Um, and there was sort of a decision that... Well, actually, the fantasy of Star Wars... The, and this is, like, over totally games that they're kind of making this decision. Uh, partly distorted by the fact that they're all in Silicon Valley. They're, they have cutting-edge computers. Uh, they are all on the same, like, office network, so they can play against each other. Um, I think that, I think they were around Silicon Valley. I can't quite remember anymore. Uh, but they decide that, like, well, what the actual fantasy was was, like, being an actual, like, pilot in this world and, uh, like, actually engaging in, like, these massive dogfights. And that's only part of it. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's like it's not like we wanted to just go around and run around and play laser tag in you know during the Battle of Hoth. It's not like we just wanted to fly spaceships around and like shoot down TIE fighters. We wanted also the narrative like arcs, the 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 the, the, the fever pitch narrative moments that a lot of these battles signified uh, in the movies, right? Like Hoth, if it's just a giant death arena playground, doesn't really feel like Hoth because the single clearest memory you probably have of the Battle of Hoth, I would suspect, is actually that moment just before all hell breaks loose when, like, the rebel troops are, like, lined up in that trench and yeah. you hear, like, the distant thumping of the ATATs and they start to, like, break through the snowstorm. Uh, and just that, that dread and that realization of, holy shit, we are badly outgunned and we're a bunch of assholes with rifles in this trench, uh, basically in a snow fort. And here come these giant, like, death mechs. That's, that's kind of Star Wars uh, to me. And it's not about just, like, letting me go play in, I guess what we call now, like, in that sandbox. <laughs> it's, I want to have a cinematic moment in that world. I want to turn off my targeting computer. I want to, you know, sort of peel up, break formation with Lando and Wedge during the Battle of Endor and, like, engage in that high-stakes dogfight. That's where I want the dogfighting to happen. But so much of Star Wars, starting around the 2000s and, like, continuing to this day, is just this, like, it's... So many of these games are just sort of wedded to this idea that all people want to do is play with the toys, <laughs> and not like touch the movie experience at all, but just run around and shoot each other in Star Wars themed levels, like it's a themed restaurant or something. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of where things have started to really lose the like that's where Lucas Arts and their successors really started to lose the plot. Well, it's called Star Wars, Rob, not Star Peace. I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry. 
I had to say that. I'm sorry. It was like contra you know, contractual obligations to make shitty dad jokes. Like it's in there. I completely agree with you though. I, I like for me very much the importance of the characters themselves is not just, oh, what a cool hero. It's more those weird little personal moments that they had. The, Star the original Star Wars movies to me are still fun to watch because they were kind of messy and they were kind of like weird little, they straddle the line in some very bizarre places between being what would become the prototype for what a blockbuster was in the 80s and also kind of like weird fucked up little art house yep. movies with puppets and like crappy sets and all, you know all sorts of weird things where a lot of the magic was really in the editing but they weren't made with like grandiose design at least not until return of the jedi which already was kind of getting to the weaker point they were weird they were really weird and that weirdness itself is a lot of the appeal for me so yeah i guess that's that's part of what's kind of dispiriting about ea being handed yeah uh, the uh the, the the tools or the keys to, to star wars is that you know this is nothing against dice. You know, they make a very polished, very uh, credible um, multiplayer. I mean, to see Star Wars made at that fidelity is like its own sort of appeal. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're working on other Star Wars games. Like, you know, I guess whatever Visceral was working on is going to be transformed into something new over at uh, EA Motive in uh, Canada. And uh, we already know that Respawn is, is working on something. And I've heard some interesting tidbits about the direction they're going in that should people I don't know if those pull it off but they, it, people should be <laughs> people have a reason to be excited about that game um, and uh, but EA is not a company you look to for like weird right and that doesn't mean that it has to be like you know I'm not expecting them to make like a, a text adventure uh, right. know, or something <laughs> like that um, but it it's part of the problem with you know a, a brand being uh, wedded to, to one publisher like to, to one company right like i mean say this is uh you can look at what ea has done or rather not done with like madden right like madden is not a bad game but it's it's certainly stagnated and become incredibly boring and safe because they have no reason to do anything other than the bare minimum it doesn't mean the people who work on it aren't like trying their best you know trying to make the best game possible but there's something to be said for the idea that like any form of competition and having star wars under uh you know the roof of electronic arts like I, it's it's a bummer because we may get some very good games out of it but we're not going i feel like they're going to be in very certain kinds of uh boxes that we can already anticipate and those boxes may be a lot of fun but by being part of electronic arts it by its very nature and by its very corporate nature means that there are lots of experiences that we're not going to get and part of what's great about star wars and like you know what's exciting about like rian johnson being given license to make a new trilogy of movies is like basically like johnson's going off to make he, he may have wanted to just make his own sci-fi story and they said hey what if you just put star wars in front of it and like that's yeah. part of like the appeal of star wars i think to a lot of creatives is that it's it's a launching pad like a lot of, almost anything is possible underneath the, the umbrella of the name star wars but it gets people there because people have an affinity to, to the to the brand and the characters in the world and it's just too bad that i mean i'd like to be proven wrong i'll be happy to be proven wrong but i don't have a lot of uh i don't anticipate that ea is going to exactly surprise me on the types of games they they end up trying to make yeah star wars to me uh it's sad that star wars is the safe bet machine in some ways i i yeah god oh 
the weirdest moments in those movies in those games are, are really the ones that stick out for me and I think kind of probably always will be so I guess hashtag make Star Wars weird again is is how I'm gonna <laughs> how I'm gonna leave that um so I think we have time probably for one question we have one really good question that I found for the bucket and it's a good one so I think uh I think we'll go with this and that'll probably be uh good for today so we have a question uh from Kate in Australia and uh Kate writes I was wondering if you could talk some more about gaming difficulty and feeling like a proper gamer a while back, Austin made a comment about being fine playing on the baby difficulty because he's just trying to live his life, and it really struck me. I realized I have this weird guilt about not playing games properly. I often play on easy or normal, Wait. and I save and reload to get the results that I want. I tend to play the same games over and over and abandon it in the middle if I have to stop, uh, if I stop having fun or I get distracted, only to start over again the next month. On top of this, I'm a woman, and the only shooters I play are turn-based, prefer city building and Sims-type games. And of course, I'm not a quote, real gamer. Since I'm now an adult who's in charge of my own life, I have shed a lot of this guilt and just save and reload to my heart's content. Gaming is what I do for fun after all, and it's what I do when I need to fast track relaxation. All my other hobbies involve things that you can fuck up irrevocably. It's nice to be able to hit that quick save for once. There's still that lingering feeling that I'm doing it wrong, quote, wrong. I'd really like to hear your thoughts about how this plays out in your own lives, as well as how it intersects with different identities and limitations, like living with microaggressions or with a disability, making regular life hard and tiring, or not being able to play certain games because of the control system being physically difficult, or things like not being able to afford a platform, playing a lot of phone games, etc. Thanks so much, Kate in Australia. And Kate also has a PS, which is very nice. P.S. I teared up when we were talking about renting video games the other day. I did the same thing and the memory of hopping into the car and excitedly reading the manual on the way home is a cherished one for me. Thanks for sharing that with me and for creating good content all the time. I just love video games so much. That was in italics and it's an absolute joy to listen to people who also love video games and also workers' rights and intersectionality. That's from Kate in Australia. Uh, and Kate, I, I, oh my God, do I, do I feel you, Kate, on every oh, point on. of this? <laughs> Rob, Rob. I, do I, Rob, do you want it to interject? I Rob. hear you. Yeah. We, Didn't we, we read this on Monday's podcast? Did we you? Read, did we? <laughs> That's possible. I wasn't we here. Read, we, read, we read something very similar. Yeah. Uh, oh. I'm just, I'm trying to, like, I think we read this on Monday's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Thanks for thanks for writing in though. Your the question's so nice. We read it twice. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really good. I'm gonna look for another question. I'm sorry. I I I miss rental games too. I or rather, unless unless I miss rental games, I I miss the uh, <laughs> going and to a whole giant like I have a whole wall of games or movies. Just like yeah. I miss walls of things that I can just kind of pluck through. I, I know I do that. I can do it's. I don't get the same satisfaction scrolling through pages on Steam. It's not the same thing. Ah, oh, yeah. I completely agree. There's also just, like, the whole physical experience of it, right? Like, and part of it probably has to do with being young. But, like, the actual, like, physical excitement, like, your heart is racing when you go to get, like, a new game, when you had to go to the tag in a Toys R Us or to, to go and you actually could leaf through things in a Blockbuster video or something. It was also, like, safe. Like, it was also like a, a, you know, not that I made purchasing decisions, but I could only ask for, like, 
a couple of games a year. It was like birthdays and Christmas were the times where maybe I'd get a game. So I had to save those up for like, oh, the very best games. It would be like, you know, a Mario game is coming out or whatever. So like I could rent whatever weird thing with a weird cartoon thing on the box and maybe it would turn out to be an RPG. That's fine. I didn't really play many RPGs, but it was interesting and bizarre and I could have all those experiences. Yeah, it was like physically intense to go and rent games. It was exciting in a lot of ways. So maybe we answered the question anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm still actually looking for another good question. Not sure. Oh, if... Are we leaving that entire thing in? Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we are. Do you want to? Live, live with it listener fuck well then i shouldn't have pointed it out well you did and it's fine and i guess no, i have things to say i have things to say we're living with this whole say. thing rob this is messy it's friday it's friday and friday's it's a friday. mess and i i feel kate on every aspect of this both the controller issue with a bad wrist and being a woman and being you know having this whole performative aspect of like oh if you suck at games it's not that i think like that it's not fine to suck at games. Of course it's fine to suck at games. I suck at games. It's fine. It's the weird thing where if you're at E3 or wherever at PAX or something and you're playing a game and it's like bro, bro McBrosif who's like showing you the game and you're like, oh fuck, I, I suck at this type of thing. And sometimes they take the controller away from you and it's weird. And so I get that there's like a total gender aspect to this of feeling like, oh, God, if I suck, I, I'm, like, making it look bad for women out there who aren't sucky at games. And, yeah. I just feel you. I feel you, Kate, from Australia, and I appreciate that letter. So you got read twice, and that is just how it is. And you saw the whole process. You saw our, our whole asses answering that question. And that's just what we're like here on Waypoint Hell Radio. Hell, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, This is I'm what at... happens when you add a second bucket, by the way. I know. Well... Here's the real problem, is that the questions aren't going in the proper bucket anymore. The proper bucket is there for, like, we're chipping away at it, but things aren't really Look, being added to it. So, yeah, the question bucket is, like, you know when you're, you get a neighbor doing, like, a home renovation project that they're really not up to, but they rent the <laughs> dumpster? Yeah. And they just, like, park that dumpster, like, in front of their house? Dude, And it yes. just, like, lives there. It becomes, like, a new, like, structure on your neighborhood. And slowly fills up with bits and pieces of miscellaneous trash. And, uh, nothing and... like that's kind of what's what the question bucket has turned into. We're not really like we're like, oh man, this is this is a big job ahead of us, isn't it? But we have this we have this bucket that's turned into a dumpster, uh, and we just we live we just live with it now. Now we just live with it. This is our mess. Look, this has been a mess of a year, man. It's been a mess of a year. We're just doing our best. We're just doing our best with buckets and with home renovations and all the above. So, you know, you win some, you lose some, and you add a lot of shit to a bucket. That's, you know, there's you there's the shit, anti-wisdom. You add, shit, you add shit to a bucket? Add shit to a bucket. Ain't nothing but stirring the turds. You know what I'm saying? That's all mm, you do. Oh, believe me, I know. In your life. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a big turd stirrer. <laughs> really good. Really good. Well, happy Friday, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to Waypoint Radio. We appreciate your ears. We appreciate your minds. We appreciate your letters. So if you have them, you can send those questions into gaming at vice.com with the subject question. We do appreciate your letters, and maybe we'll even read them twice. Hey, you never know. It could happen to you, like Kate in Australia. 
As always, shoutouts to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. We are, of course, on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. You can read everything that we write at waypoint.vice.com. We appreciate it when you do actually go and read our articles because that, that helps us out. Helps us out a lot. Patrick, I know it's the weekend. Where can we find you? You can find my whole ass stern turds <laughs> at Patrick Lupin. That's a great image. Stern turds with your whole ass. Rob, I don't know if you want to top that, but uh, where can we find oh, you? Oh, please. Please, Rob. Uh, you can find me in the empty, deserted storefront with the shattered windows that used to be a box office video, which didn't carry the games I wanted because they had a content policy. No. Wait, what? No. Wait, no wait, wait, wait. Blood. Yeah, tell this. What? You are no, my me. local rental place didn't like stock like when I think SNES eventually got like and look it was a bad port I'm not like crying over this because it wasn't the right way to play like Wolfenstein but like right. yeah that didn't show up because what? it what? was it has shooting couldn't have that I didn't uh, even know that was a thing places <laughs> they treated video game violence like porn yeah, yeah. They should have yeah. had, like, a little room that you go well, into. Well, no, no. Here's Mortal no. Kombat. Porn yeah. had the room with the curtain. Wait, so uh, they had They just porn. didn't stock the games. Uh. Like, you could play the <laughs> Super Nintendo Mortal Kombat, but, like, Genesis Mortal Kombat with the actual fatalities was a n- non-starter. With the red blood? Yeah. No, you couldn't play that. You had, oh, to, get, you had to get that from somewhere else. Oh, boy. Weird. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, uh, you, you can find me uh, just at Danielle or I, probably, uh, probably wearing some cool flight pants, not gonna lie. Playing some Star Wars games in my cool pants, and uh, maybe uh, maybe I'll uh, dig up some of my old Star Wars novels, too. I had like 70 of them. I had like almost everyone ever written at one given point in time. Should tell you just how much of a true fan I was. Hashtag true fan. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. And as always, be good and be good at it. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.